Warning, this podcast contains foul language, sexual situations, and discussions of drugs and drinking. Yeah. Welcome Welcome to to Fuck Shakespeare. All the naughty bits exposed. Our goal is to open your eyes to all the inside info that makes reading Shakespeare way more fun. Any episode might contain dick jokes or essay ideas or anything in between. So, So, listen listen up. up. Right, so we're leaving one of the doors open. The outer door is closed, but the inner door is open. And we're doing this because heat. It's hot. So if you hear dogs or children or, you know, knocking on doors and whatnot, you'll know why. And that was the preamble because we didn't even say hi. Hi! hi. <laughs> I'm Erin. I'm Diana. And uh, here's our episode nine of King Lear. Heat. Yes, this is where it all goes bad. Well, it's been trickling. <laughs> it's been going. It's yeah. been trickling bad. Yeah, but or raining now, bad. Ra- now we're yeah. It trickled, then it rained. Storming. Now it's storming, <laughs> and now it's popping out. Oh, we don't know what she's talking about. You, will you just know. wait. You will You'll know. know. This is the big one. It's the big one, Laverne. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got two scenes here for you today. We've got Act 3, Scene 6, and what's this next one? Oh, and Scene 7. I wasn't <laughs> sure if we were going into Act 4, four yet. Enough, but yeah. 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 So, the end of Act 3, all of the pieces crumbling down, and then nothing gets built back up again. Sorry. Sorry. It's a tragedy. It's yeah. a tragedy. Yeah. But it, just like Romeo and Juliet all goes to shit in Act 3, same mm-hmm. here. It's yeah. a formula. But also... Yeah, it works. Well, it does. It does work. Um, I'm sorry. I'm also making noise with my feet because whatever. So I'm, we're just going to be full of noises today. It's okay. Just letting you know. Uh, what was I going to say? I sing, oh, yeah. So, yes, this tragedy in some ways, I feel like this particular tragedy is probably, it feels to me like the most tragic of the tragedies. Like, because Shakespeare taunts you a little bit in this play in a way I don't feel like he does in other plays. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to the demise of all, but... This is where demising begins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in other, one, in other tragedies, it's a little more straightforward. Like, you can see it coming, and you can go, okay, I understand why. But this one, boy, it just twists and turns and, and you know, wrenches your guts out. Gits. Your gits. Your gits. Your gits out. Your gits get out. <laughs> All right, and let's, uh, let's move yeah. into this. Right. Wow. Blah, 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 Ouch. blah. So... Here in uh, 3-6, Lear is really kind of completing his descent into madness. And then we're going to see fantastic mad scene, which is just like the pinnacle of Shakespeare's writing in this in this play, if you ask me. Um, 
But here he's imagining his daughters being put on trial. He's imagining them tortured in hell. And all of that stuff is really getting to him, even though those pictures are his own brain. And the fool is like, where are you going with this? <laughs> what is this, right? But this is where we talked about Edgar and the fool flipping parts, you know, like changing uh, importance, changing their roles. To Lear. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I think that Lear and Edgar flip because Lear becomes the mad person and Edgar kind of steps out of his own character and goes, you know what? There isn't room for two mad people in this play, so I'm going to stop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he ends that uh, sixth scene with this speech that's full of rhyming couplets. Which is so weird. Yeah. Talk about rhyming couplets. When do we use those? Usually, usually the end of a scene in yeah. in the older plays, in the in the earlier plays yeah. um, that Shakespeare wrote, a, a scene would come to an end and you would know it because there would be a rhyming couplet. And yeah. so that prepared the audience. Oh, that scene's done. Now we're going to move to the next one. Yeah. Then also you see rhyming couplets in comedies to draw your attention to certain things. Or you see rhyming couplets... Um, in as he starts moving into his later plays, you can see rhyming couplets in weird places, sometimes in the middle of a of a speech to draw your attention to a yeah. specific concept. Yeah, because your ear goes, wait, heads up, something's happening. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just an auditory bing, you know, like to to tell you, listen up now. Something different is happening. But this whole speech. Yeah. There's like a series of six rhyming couplets or something. And, you know, we have speeches like that from Helena in Midsummer Night's Dream, but yeah. they're funny and they're, well, it's her pain when she's in the middle of that that um, lover scene, you know, and her pain also in the first scene where she's like, everybody's happy except for me, yeah. you know? So that's, that's almost a signal like, we're talking about pain now, even though it's a comedy. So here, if we have a rhyming couplet speech, we're talking, you're talking about, about... You're talking about... You're talking about Midsummer Night's... Some or, or some... Or, How happy some or other, other some can, can be. The Raffin's Iron God is fair she. But what of that? Yeah. Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all, but he do know. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So Edgar, I think with this speech is, you know, he's like giving you a huge buzz, 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 buzz. Things are going to be different from here on. Mm. Yeah. I'm not going to be the crazy one anymore. Lear's the crazy one. Let's see how that goes. Hey. He's almost like a reporter, right? <laughs> Yeah. Paper idea in yes, this, right? What, really. What, what do you think Shakespeare is doing by giving him these rhyming couplets in this particular place yeah. at this particular time? Really interesting. And in the middle of that speech, he has this really key phrase where he says, he childed as I fathered. Mm. So Lear has been treating by being treated by his children as he has been he Edgar has been treated by his father. So it's like family members treating each other horribly. And what happens to the world when those baseline grassroots relationships go so badly, go so wrong? Right. Well, those that's those are the incubators in which we grow. Yeah. And we take those those um formative relationships with us out into the world and and it and it informs how we interact with everybody yeah you know so and if there's violence 
even emotional violence in the home. Oh, yeah. You know, it radiates out. It's just, you know. And that's where, you know, all the guys on death row, that's where they came from some horrible shaming episode in their past kicked them to that place shame you know? shame is a shame motherfucker is shame. shame is a motherfucker and here's yeah. the other thing shame doesn't really serve a good purpose i mean no it, um surface level shame does serve a purpose you know like oh if i feel shame about not having done my homework you know then yeah. I have to question in myself what caused me not to do my homework, right? It, it's a, but when you're talking about things like the core shames, that like you're not a good person, you're not a good person, you're you can't fix yourself. You're disgusting. There, so you're, dis- you're ugly. Exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. It's just devastating emotionally, and we all have it, and we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace when it comes to shame. I don't know what purpose it actually serves and the fact that we all have it yeah well it's an agent of change but not always of good change no right because you would do anything not to feel that yeah it's horrible it's worse than grief it's you know it's worse than guilt it's it's just and 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 the thing about shame is it feels like you can't fix it because you are just flawed yeah innately and there's nothing to be done about that yeah so you need help or you need relief in some way. And that isn't always good. Yeah, the way you get relief can be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That Ooh, was a mini yikes. soapbox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, and then we start talking about this place as a focus for a lot of these characters. The White Cliffs of Dover. Yes. Yeah, they are visually metaphorical. You know, uh, uh, look look for pictures of them. The White Cliffs of Dover. It's they're severe, and they're like looming over the sea, right there on the southern coast of Britain. And to the British, especially in those times, those cliffs kind of mark a boundary between Britain and everywhere else. <laughs> like you had to leave. Britain, and that was your last view of Britain, to go to anywhere else. Also, and when you're returning, you're greeted by... The cliffs, yeah. This face of glimmering white rock. Which, Limestone, yeah. Yeah, it feels like, a, like heaven. Yeah, because if the sun's hitting it at a certain angle, right, it's just all bright white shining. You're walking into this, you know... Shining place, right? (laughs) And so it's really metaphorical to the British in terms of, you know, people who are banished. That's their last view. People who head off to conquer France. (laughs) That's their last view. So you think about it a lot in the plays of Shakespeare. And here we're going to hear it mentioned a lot because it's going to be a drawing place for the the forces of good and evil coming to Dover. I don't to kind of yes i know but dark and light dark and light yes the uh the opposing two sides there you go are coming are going to be meeting there to have their last battle heads up ding ding (laughs) ding ding ding. (laughs) uh and then in these two scenes we're going to say goodbye to two major characters 
We already gave you a heads up that the fool is going that away. Fool is just yeah, just like Mercutio, our favorite characters have to go away so that we can focus on the the real message of the tragedy. And then we're also going to say goodbye to our favorite villain because even Aaron said we're allowed to call him a villain. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't have any backstory for Cornwall, so we don't know what caused him to be the way he is. With yeah. with Edmund, we know why Edmund is the way he is. Yeah. But Cornwall just just a few screws loose. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Someone should write a play about what happened to Cornwall. Yeah. How, How he did he get up. there? <laughs> that's a that's a do yeah. someone write that Wiley, write that. Yeah. yeah. Somebody write it. Um, and and we'll see by the end of that second scene, Act 3, Scene 7, how that kind of disruption of the nature of things, of the order of things, goes all the way down to servants. And it just, you know, behavior becomes bad all across the, the strata because Cornwall's servant has to, forces himself to go against the rules that he knows and that he's grown up with is that he is legally tied to this one master and bound to serve him forever. But can you imagine being that person for Cornwall? <laughs> like, I have to do everything you tell me to do? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But, I mean, the social order, I-, I wonder I wonder how much Shakespeare is playing with... You know, we've talked, we've touched on it as we've been talking through this play. I mean, Edgar, you know, choosing a, a persona who is you know, basically completely unseen, even yeah. though he in the social order is is fairly high up, maybe not as high up as, you know, Cornwall and Regan and Goneril and Albany, but he's right. still, you know, he's... But he's the heir to Gloucester, so he'd be, you know, you know quite important. Right. So he, but he chooses this invisible, I mean, he could disappear yeah. in a lot of ways, but he chooses to flip completely and the I, other side, yeah. I think that you know Lear is deconstructing the social order internally you know and we saw him get to the place of taking off his clothes right. and a human liberating is just, himself from all of his you know trappings yeah, yeah human is just a meat sack right yep. so like I think maybe it, it, it so this is the mold the the mildew the you know toxic mold growing out in the veins and you know taking down the whole social order so that good can it's like when you know a forest fire yeah yeah like there just isn't room for the beautiful and the new if everything is choked off and corrupted by the evil so the evil has to be yeah but the, by, <laughs> by the darkness, the darkness has to, there has to be a place to allow the light in. Right. I mean, that, yeah. and, and that's why we have natural, you know, lightning strikes causing forest fires and raising forests because then new growth comes and it, there's succession. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. There's succession uh, plants. Yeah. You know, it starts like the co- the colonization of the the wee ones, and then they break up the soil, and they and they make way for the the next level, and the next level, and the next till you get to the forest canopy, and the forest canopy chokes out everything underneath it because it's dark underneath there. Yeah. And then the cycle begins the cycle again. Starts again, yeah. 
And but they're talking about even the fires in Canada as as it's because the humans have not actually taken care of the forests. They haven't been good stewards. So well, we like, thought we were doing, you know, think about when we were kids, Smokey Bear. Yeah, yeah. He, he don't, you know, don't start forest, forest fires. fires yeah. right? And the thing is, forest fires, when they happen at certain times for certain reasons, are good. And the native uh, indigenous people on this continent, they knew that. They did controlled burns. Yeah. They knew. And, and they let burns happen, too. I mean... <sighs> At our idea in the 70s of what protecting forests meant meant not allowing any destruction to happen. And as a result, I think we're paying that price. We're now. paying yeah. that price because yeah. there's so much tinder. There's so much stuff that would normally be taken care of in yeah. natural uh, processes that, that didn't happen. Yeah. So like our ideas, we're learning what good stewardship means. Yeah. You know, we're learning. It's slow. Yeah. Nature knows much better than we. Indeed. Okay. Nature, our theme word. Our bing, theme, bing, one, bing, one, bing. one theme word. One of the themes word. Yeah. Themes, themes, themes words. words. <laughs> All right. Here we All go. Right, shall we? Act 3, scene 7. All right. I'm reading Edgar Fool. And you're reading everybody else. Oh, good grief. Okay. Um, and so if you recall, Gloucester was leading them back to the palace and saying, shh, 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 shh. We're going into a secret way. So it turns out they're going into an adjoining little farmhouse, actually. That's what the uh, written directions tell us. <laughs> whatever. You can make whatever it's choice whatever. you want. Yeah. Gloucester. Here's better than the open air. Take it thankfully. I will piece out the comfort with what addition I can. I will not be long from you. So I'll piece out. I'll add. I'll add to the comfort. I'll bring you food. I'll bring you some stuff. But here, at least you're in shelter. So you've got that first thing. And Kent. All the power of his wits have given way to his impatience. The gods reward your kindness. So he's talking about Lear. Like his brain has his given over. His wits have left him. Yep. And uh, given over and left him with anger only. Impatience yeah. being anger. Frateretto? Frateretto, yeah. Frateretto! <laughs> that's, that's Edgar. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Just such a funny word to start with. Frateretto calls me and tells me Nero is an angler in the lake of darkness. Pray, innocent, and beware the foul fiend. <laughs> so Frateretto is another of those devils from the Harznet book that we were talking about last episode. It means little brother. And um, so he's just he's just enumerating all of these different devils that are in this book. There's no doubt that, you know, Shakespeare was like, hey, you want to read something interesting? There's this book I found. <laughs> and then um, the fool. And then oh, uh, pray innocent. He, he might be talking to the fool because an innocent is a simpleton, mm -hmm. right? Because the fool answers, so that makes yeah. sense. So the fool. Prithee, Nuncle, tell me whether a madman be a gentleman or a yeoman. A king! A king! Says, no. Says Lear. Yeah. <laughs> a yeoman is the rank just below gentleman. So he's like, how, how are we supposed to treat this madman? Where yeah, right. does he fall right. in the natural order of things? And Lear says, a king, a king. He's a king. <laughs> Fool. No, he's a yeoman that has a gentleman to his son. For he's a mad yeoman that sees his son a gentleman before him. Yeah. 
So he's like allowing his son to get um, advanced before he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's just like, basically, he's crazy. And then Lear. To have a thousand with red burning spits come hissing in upon him. So is he imagining, he's imagining his daughters in hell being tormented by demons. Yeah. And Edgar. Bless thy five wits. Kent. Oh, pity. Sir, where's the patience now that you so oft have boasted to retain? I want to stop for a second. Yeah. Patience is a key word in this, too. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. It's like just if... But that is one of the things about tragedy, too. I mean, think about it. If Romeo and Juliet had just been a little patient, yeah. right? Yeah. Waited just a moment. So that is one of those things that Shakespeare points out to you, that if you could just take a breath... And think for a moment and allow, you know, some time before you make a decision. We talked about that in Othello. Yeah. Yeah. Othello also. He goes immediately to suspicion. Yeah. Instead of like, hey, why don't you go ask the lady? (laughs) Right? You know, you say you love her. Why don't you have a conversation? (laughs) But going right to the worst thing without breathing and thinking. Yes. So patience. Yeah. (sighs) Edgar. And so Edgar, this is an aside. Mm -hmm. And maybe, yes, maybe, well, meaning that he just comes forward and talks to the audience. I think that's what it is. Right? I think, I think he's telling the audience what's going to happen next. He just next. steps right out of the play yeah. and talks to you like a narrator. My tears begin to take his part so much, they mar my counterfeiting. In other words, I can't continue to pretend to because... To play this part. Yeah, because yeah. this is hurting my heart so much. Yeah. So I'm crying so hard I can't do this anymore. Because he's looking at the king and he's like, Jesus, how, how, you know, the, he's supposed to be the top of our order and he's completely disintegrating. Which means we all are. Which means we all are. It's just going to, it's a tumble down thing, trickle down, whatever. Lear. The little dogs and all, Trey, Blanche, and Sweetheart. See, they bark at me. Tom will throw his head at them. Avant, you curse. <laughs> Sorry. Hit my hand on the keyboard there. (laughs) (laughs) Can try it again. Tom will throw his head at them. Avant, you curs. Be thy mouth or black or white. Tooth that poisons if it bite. Mastiff, greyhound, mongrel, grim. Hound or spaniel, brack or him. Brack? Brack is a bitch. Oh. Like a lady dog. Lady dog or him. Yeah. Yeah. Or bobtailed tyke or trundled tail, Tom will make him weep and wail, for with throwing thus my head, dogs leaped the hatch and all are fled. Do de do de do de do sesse. Come, march to wakes and fairs and market towns. Poor Tom, thy horn is dry. So he just said he can't do this anymore. And now here he, he did is. a pretty good job of yes, it. Yes, he did. Be thy mouth or black or white. Notice what rhythm he's talking in. <gasps> Is it very speaking? Yeah, it's oh. sevens. Yeah. So he's be- he's speaking in seven-beat lines, se- uh, seven-syllable lines, and that is usually the province of fairies or witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's magic speak. And he's he, he just picked up that dog imagery that Shakespeare, uh, that Lear just brought in, and he brought in three dogs, three little dogs that he's sort of devolved his daughters into three little dogs, right? And Edgar just runs with it yeah. and and talks about it, whatever kind of dog you are, I will kick your ass. I'll make you weep or wail. Mm-hmm. So we have Brock or him, bitch or male, 
uh, bobtail type, trundle tail, short tailed, a curly tail dog. And <laughs> for with throwing thus my head, dogs leaped the hatch and all are fled. So I tried to go at them with my head and they all escaped. <laughs> and then we have that dody dody dody, the, the calling of um, for the hunt. Sessa. Oh, is that what that mm-hmm. is? Okay. Yep. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Thy horn is dry. I love uh, that. <laughs> drinking horn, but also the horn uh, is a dick. And I've jerked off too much. Dody, dody, dody. She just did the jerking off motion. You yes, can't yes. see that, but <laughs> you, you can, can imagine. imagine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All right, and then Lear gets into this more, like he's imagining his daughters being dissected so that you can find out what's inside of them. He uses the word anatomize, which means dissect. Then let them anatomize Regan. See what breeds about her heart. Is there any cause in nature that makes these hard hearts? You, sir, I entertain you for one of my hundred. Only I do not like the fashion of your garments. You will say they are Persian, but let them be changed. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. He calls out to Edgar. He's like, "You can be one of my hundred knights, but I don't like your clothes." You say and Persian, you'll say they're Persian. Meanwhile, he's wearing a loincloth. Yeah, loincloth. Persian means rich and exotic, but it, you know, it's just like different from ours. Mm-hmm. You you might describe them however you want to, but I don't like them, and you need to change them. <laughs> and Kent is like, "Oh my fucking god." <laughs> Now, good my lord, lie here and rest a while. Make no noise, make no noise. Draw the curtains. So, so, we'll go to supper in the morning. That's Lear. And he goes to sleep. Fool. And I'll go to bed at noon. <laughs> like, fine, okay. And here comes Gloucester. Come hither, friend. Where's the king, my master? Kent. Here, sir, but trouble him not. His wits are gone. Gloucester, good friend, I prithee take him in thy arms. I have overheard a plot of death upon him. There's a litter ready. Lay him in it and drive toward Dover, friend, where thou shalt meet both welcome and protection. Take up thy master. If thou shouldst dally half an hour, his life with thine and all that offer to defend him, stand in assured lost. Take up, take up, and follow me that will, that will to some provision give thee quick conduct. Come, come away. So he's like, Oh, my God. I, I walked into the palace, and I heard them talking about killing the king yeah. if they found him. So you got to pick him up now and go, go, go. There's yeah. something that will carry him, a little wagon or something. And uh, if you don't leave now, you and Everybody. everyone who is defending him or protecting him in any way will be dead. Yep. And then I'll, I'll get you some stuff. I'll get you some you know, food, supplies for the journey, but you got to leave now. Go, go, go. And then this next piece where Kent and Gloucester and Edgar has his last speech, is actually not in all versions of the text. It's interesting. Folio? Yeah, it's in folio. But not... But not in all, like, modern texts and stuff. Yeah. But what about the quartos? Mm, no, it's different there. And so it's it depends on an editor's choice when they look at all versions of the text and try to decide which one, which pieces are we keeping that are controversial or whatever, and what, what do we want to say with this edition mm. of the text. So Kent tries to, you know, argue a little bit for, like, 
I think it would be better for Lear if we just leave him here sleeping because he is never going to feel better if he doesn't get to sleep. Kent. Oppressed nature sleeps. This rest might yet have balmed thy broken sinews, which, if convenience will not allow, stand in hard cure. So if you don't have time to rest, your uh, sinews, your nerves, cannot be balmed, soothed. Okay? But then he turns to the fool and he says, Come, help to bear thy master. Thou must not stay behind. But he does. He does. Oh, wow. Crazy. So one thing that we chose when we did our production of Lear that we've talked about is we chose to have the fool come running back in the room for something and Cornwall's men's men grab him and hang him right there, um, which is a pretty rough choice, but makes sense because why wouldn't he follow Lear otherwise? And then Gloucester, come, come away, Edgar. When we our betters see bearing our woes, we scarcely think our miseries our foes. Who alone suffers, suffers most in the mind, leaving free things and happy shows behind. But then the mind much sufferance doth overshe. <laughs> but then the mind much sufferance doth or skip when grief hath mates and bearing fellowship. How light and portable my pain seems now, when that which makes me bend makes the king bow. He childed as I fathered. Tom, away! Mark the high noises and thyself bewray, and false opinion whose wrong thoughts defile thee, in thy just proof repeals and reconciles thee, what will hap more tonight? Safe scape the king. Lurk, lurk, lurk. And he resumes his disguise again. But yeah. So when we are better see bearing our woes, when people when, who are higher up than yeah. we are, or even the people that we look up to and, you know, worship, whatever, mm -hmm. you know how we've, everybody takes up the general woe when celebrities are in pain. Or I never understood that, or really. whatever, Or when they have some tragedy in their life. You know, everybody rallies to them. There's all kinds of bouquets of flowers outside their house, right? But yeah, but it's, so it's a common feeling, I know, say. No, I don't you know, like. It's annoying. Um, but we scarcely think our miseries. We don't. Our our miseries seem small in comparison to the big people that we revere. And then, who suffers alone suffers most in the mind. So when when you are really hurting and you don't have any other exterior input, you're really hurting, and you don't and you don't have any other. We were just talking about this. Yes, we any were. other stimuli outside you to pull you out of it. But when you suffer. With other people around you, you can diffuse it. You can, you can put your energy and your focus on something other than yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's what he says. The mind much suffering stuff or skip. The, the mind can, uh, it's the misery loves company thing, you know, when grief hath mates. When grief, it, it, when you can talk together with something and bearing with someone and bearing fellowship, someone to bear with you. So how light and portable my pain seems. So now that I'm in the company of someone who's suffering much more than me, mine seems not so bad. Right. 
And it makes things that make me bend, make the king bend way further over, bowing. Yeah. Uh, so then he says, Tom, away, you got to go. But mark the high noises means listen for the news of the important players in this, in this drama. And when the time is right, be ray. That means uh, reveal yourself. When false opinion, when the, the wrong thoughts that were carried about you fall away. Mm -hmm. And when people start to go, hey, where's Edgar? We need him now. <laughs> <laughs> he, when you can be proven innocent. Then what more will hap safe escape the king? Whatever happens, please, gods, protect the king. Yeah. And then lurk. He resumes his disguise. <laughs> lurk, lurk. All right. All here right. We go. Here Cornwall, we go. Regan, Goneril, Ooh. Edmund, and servants. Yes. Servants who are not just nobody. Yeah. They're going to be important. Well, we talked about that as an overarching thematic thing. Yeah. Servants and all the plays that move the action, even if they have just one line. Yeah. Find all those serving people and find out how so they change the play. Yeah. Yeah. All right, right, so Cornwall. I'm reading Cornwall and Goneril. Yes. You're reading Regan, Edmund, and then you and I are both reading Servants. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cornwall. To Goneril, it says in, parenthetically, it says mm -hmm. to Goneril. But you could figure it out. Right. Post speedily to my lord, your husband. Who else would have some other husband, husband right. in this room? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Show him this letter. The army of France is landed. And then he turns to someone else. Seek out the traitor, Gloucester. Hang him instantly. Goneril, pluck out his eyes. Ooh. Eyes. She puts ding, the ding, idea ding. in the room. Mm -hmm. Regan goes to the easy thing, hang him. But the harder thing would be not to hang him. Yeah, right. Cornwall, leave him to my displeasure. There's a great dis, dis. word. Yeah. Have we talked about that in this play Not yet? in this play, I don't think. Yeah. So uh, Shakespeare invented the prefix dis, D-I-S, and look at it in, with that word, displeasure, so great. Hell pleasure. Yeah. Mm. Dis was the ruler of Hades, of hell, right? He was Hades. And so when you add that prefix, it's like you're going to flip whatever the next word is to its dark underbelly. Mm -hmm. So we have pleasure. And then we have displeasure, pleasing the dark lord. Mm -hmm. Let me... Please, the Dark Lord. Yeah. Right? Edmund, keep you our sister company, meaning Goneril. The revenges we are bound to take upon your traitorous, fa traitorous father are not fit for your beholding. Now, who are we kidding? Wouldn't Edmund <laughs> like to see his father punished? Absolutely. Yeah, Cornwall, you don't know your boy yeah. because he wants to watch. Trust me, he does. <laughs> but he's sending him away with Goneril. Mm. Ding, ding. Interesting, important. Advise the Duke where you are going to a most festinate preparation. <laughs> the Duke being? Albany. Edmund is accompanying Goneril home with a message for Albany. And Festinate is speedy. We have to get ready quickly to meet this army that's already landed on English soil. They're marching. Yeah. They've got an advantage on us They're already. moving on us. Mm -hmm. We are bound to the like. Our posts shall be swift and intelligent betwixt us. Farewell, dear sister. Farewell, my lord of Gloucester. 
Mm. He's now calling Edmund Lord of Gloucester. Oh, it's a new title. Mm-hmm. Well, nice. we knew it was coming, he yes. said. He said, this but, makes you Earl of Gloucester. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to hear him called that is quite incredible. Yeah, in, in company, too. Yeah. Not just yeah, between... before everybody, so he can't go back on it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gloucester still lives. Yeah. Yeah. The Earl, what, what play is that? Mackey's, right? <laughs> Mickey the B. The Thane of Connor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, uh, here comes Oswald, our right. favorite. And Cornwall. How now, where's the king? My lord of Gloucester hath conveyed him hence, some five or six and thirty of his knights, hot questrists, <laughs> after him, met him at gate, who, with some other of the lord's dependents, are gone with him toward Dover, ding, ding. where they boast to have well-armed friends. So... Oswald has been spying on everyone. Hot questrists. Isn't that great? A quest. What's a quest? A, a search of, of, you know, seeking. Mm-hmm. So these people were eager searchers for Lear. So five and six or thirty, five or six and thirty. So 35, 36 of his knights are still hanging around. Right. And they were looking for him everywhere. They met with Gloucester and some of Gloucester's guys, too, some of the Lord's dependents. And they're all off to Dover. So it's like a little baby army (laughs) is heading off, speeding off towards Dover. And where where they say they're meeting people who are well-armed. Well-armed. Yeah. Cornwall, get horses for your mistress. And off goes Oswald. Goneril, farewell, sweet lord and sister. Cornwall. Edmund, farewell. Go seek the traitor Gloucester. Pinion him like a thief. Bring him before us. Oh, using the royal we. Pinion is a really cool word. It was just in the play we were just doing, Merry Wives, too. Um, it, it, It means bind his arms, specifically, but it comes from the term for the very ends of the f- the feathers that make up the bird's wing. If you clip them, the bird can't fly. Mm-hmm. So it's that image of clipping his wings from flying. Though well we may not pass upon his life without the form of justice, yet our power shall do a courtesy to our wrath, which men may blame but not control. Oh, nobody controls me, bitches. Yeah. Yeah, so we may not pass upon his life. We don't have the authority to make a sentence on his life. To... Yeah, I can't sentence him to death. But... <laughs> without justice, without the court. Without the court, because he's high up enough, you know. If it was a servant, yes, it'd be like hang him instantly, sure. Um, but our power shall do a courtesy to our wrath. So our power is going to give a little nod to my anger mm-hmm. and let me do something that people might blame me for, but not, they can't control me. Too bad. Easier to so, ask shit. forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, here comes Gloucester. Who's there? The traitor? Yeah, and so he uses that word. He's already sentenced him mm-hmm. because traitors have to die. Regan. Ingrateful fox, tis he. Cornwall. Bind fast his corky arms. Gloucester. What means your graces? Good, my friends, consider you are my friends. No. My guests. Yes. <laughs> Do me no foul play, friends. Cornwall. Bind him, I say. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting. We have graces, guests, friends. Yeah. 
as line endings. Yeah. Also, corky arms. Oh, yeah. Wrinkled and withered. They just really disdain aged people. Yeah. They just, you know, in their youth, they can't even consider that they themselves might someday have Have corky corky arms. Oh, yeah. Bind him, tie him up, and then Regan, hard, hard, oh, filthy traitor. Unmerciful lady as you are, I'm none. Cornwall, to this chair bind him. Villain, thou shalt find. By the gods, tis most ignobly done. So if you don't know what uh, she's done, he tells you in a second. To pluck me by the beard. So somebody has pulled his beard, and the uh, stage direction says Regan plucks hairs from Gloucester's beard. Um, It could be anybody. It could be anybody, right? But he he goes on to tell you, a naughty lady. So he tells you exactly who it is. You don't need the stage direction. Shakespeare has put it in there for you. Um, But I like the to this chair bind him because there's a very much uh, illuminated torture method in Harsnet, the book, that talks about binding witches to chairs for exorcisms and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so Regan reaches over and pulls a bunch of hairs out of Gloucester's beard, and he's like, ow! (laughs) (laughs) By the kind gods, tis most ignobly done to pluck me by the beard. Regan, so white and such a traitor. White being innocent. Yeah, so we've got the contrast of pictures. Innocence and traitor. Gloucester. Naughty lady. <laughs> I love that. Naughty's meaning wicked, but it just sounds so funny and yeah. antiquated. Yeah. yeah. These hairs which thou dost ravish from my chin will quicken and accuse thee. What's They're ravish? Of, oh, uh, well, ravish is like assault, but yeah. you know, sexual usually. Sexual assault, yeah. So he's really, in a way, it's because, you know, they're opposite genders and she's she's like behaving in a way that men out of control behave mm-hmm. yeah and quicken is what happens when you can feel a, a, a fetus moving in yeah. you know in the womb yeah yeah so these hairs are going to come alive and accuse you i am your host and he's so he's really that was a sacred yeah. obligation yeah, host we... to guest and guests to host. There was a certain way that those two, uh, that that relationship went. With robber's hands, my hospitable favors, you should not ruffle thus. What will you do? Cornwall, come, sir. What letters had you late from France? Yeah. So I love uh, my hospitable favors are the, your favor is your face, right? Mm-hmm. Your Your visage. And so it's the nice things on my face, but also my gracious hospitality. There's a great double meaning there. And I like ruffle. <laughs> and treat me roughly. Mm-hmm. You ruffled me. <laughs> yeah. So now the, now comes the trial, right? So Cornwall's asking, tell me about the letters you got from France. And Regan says, don't bother, you know, telling us anything else because we know. Be simple, answered, for we know the truth. Cornwall, and what confederacy have you with the traitors late-footed in the kingdom? Yeah, late-footed means recently landed. Regan, to whose hands have you sent the lunatic king? Speak. I I see them them circling circling his chair. 
you know? Yeah, and just like spitting in his face and, yeah, growling at him like beasts, yeah? Hmm. Gloucester. I have a letter guessingly set down, which came from one that's of a neutral heart and not from one opposed. Cunning. And false. So it's beautiful triple share, right? He's like not opposed. Yeah, bullshit. Mm. Yeah, from both of them. Yeah. And the pacing is great. They just stomp on him. Boom, boom. Because they're really getting heated up. So when he says one that's of a neutral heart, he means Cordelia. He means Kent. Oh, he means Kent. Okay. Okay. Uh, The letter which came signed from Kent probably, but uh, was telling about everything that he heard in the letter from Cordelia. So Kent got that letter from Cordelia. Right. So he's probably sent a letter as Kent. He has his ring. Remember, he put the ring in the letter. Yeah, right, right. So his signet ring is in the letter to Cordelia, but he probably used it to send a... I mean, I'm imagining. I'm I'm surmising, but that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, And Cornwall, where hast thou sent the king? To Dover. Wherefore to Dover? Wast thou not charged at peril? Cornwall, wherefore to Dover? Let him answer that. Yeah, so one thing at a time. Shut (laughs) up. And Gloucester makes a bear-baiting reference. I am tied to the stake, and I must stand the course. So you'll see this in Macbeth as well, Act 5. Uh, it's a reference to bear baiting. Have we talked about that in this play? <laughs> I keep asking, have we talked about that in this play? No, we have not. So that was a sport, horrible sport, mm-hmm. that took place also on the South Bank, there where the Globe Theater was, where they would chain a bear up to a post and just set dogs at him. And the last dog standing was the winner after they killed the bear. Um, it, it was bloody and absolutely horrible. But that was one of the things that the people knew. People who came entertainment. To yeah, yummy. Regan reminding him, for fuck's sake, answer our question. Wherefore to Dover, Gloucester? Because I would not see thy cruel nails pluck out his old poor eyes, poor old eyes, nor thy fierce sister in his anointed flesh stick boorish fangs. Wow. Let's get a lot of consonants there. Yeah, wow. And And he also... Pluck out his poor old eyes. Yeah. That's the second time someone's said said that. Yeah. Why do they put that image in the play? (laughs) Why why do they put that out into the ether? Into the world. Pull it back. You could have many other things. And then uh, in his anointed flesh stick, boorish fangs. Yeah, he really has... Chewing on those consonants, um, anointed because he he is the king. Yeah, he's the king, and there were From special God. ceremonies chosen by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, boar, like a boar, ooh, that the kings hunted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, the sea, with such a storm as his bare head in hell night black endured, would have buoyed up and quenched the stellid fires. Beautiful. Stellid stars? The fires of the stars, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the sea, um, if it had been a storm at sea, the way the, the storm was that Lear endured, that he was standing outside in with his bare head, it would have swelled up so high that it would have drowned the stars. Mm. So he's talking about what a really bad storm you sent him out into. Yeah. Yet... Poor old heart, he helped the heavens to rain with his tears. 
If wolves had at thy gate howled that stern time, thou shouldst have said, Good porter, turn the key, all cruels else subscribe. But I shall see the winged vengeance overtake such children. Mm, will you? Cruels else subscribe. Yeah. Other kinds of cruel people would have relented in such circumstances. I think it's interesting, but I shall see the winged vengeance or take such children, overtake such children. Yeah. Mm, see. Ding, see. Ding, ding, uh, ding, and it's ding. a line ending. Yep. See. see. Winged vengeance. Winged means swift, but it also is a reference to harpies who were winged women uh, that were responsible agents of vengeance. Yeah. They're coming for you, you bitches. <laughs> That's what he says. Yep. And Cornwall. Cornwall was like, oh, fuck no. Seat shalt thou never. Fellows, hold the chair. Upon these eyes of thine, I'll set my foot. Now there's a bit of a troublesome stage, embedded stage direction, right? How do you make that happen? Well, I I'm, yeah, he's well, not in a chair. You have to chair lean the chair. Over. Yeah, yeah, because what is it? Unless you, Wah! some kung fu move, right? <laughs> poke, poke at your eye with your comb with my roundhouse kick. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, That'd right. be hilarious. But then too much comedy. Yeah, no, no yeah. And Gloucester, he that will think to live till he be old, give me some help. And then Cornwall squishes out one of his eyes with his foot. Or his thumb. Oh, cr- well, he said his foot. I know, but one. like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Or his grapefruit spoon. Right. Ow. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, cruel. Oh, you gods. Regan, one side will mock another. The other two. Cornwall, if you see vengeance... Am I first? Yeah, because you get to say the fun Okay, thing. first servant. Hold your hand, my lord. I have served you ever since I was a child, but better service have I never done you than now to bid you hold. How now, you dog? First servant. If you did wear a beard upon your chin, I'd shake it on this quarrel. What do you mean? Cornwall. My villain. Yeah, so let's break this down. Oof. So Regan's calling for the other eyeball to be yeah. put out. She's like, like, oh, no, you can't just have one eye gone. You got to do both. Yeah, because they, they have to go along together. They're a pair. <laughs> um, and uh, the servant, so there's a shared line. He cuts him off, right? Yeah. Hold your hand, my lord. So she, he Stop. stops him. He probably stops him physically. physically right, which yes. is not Which is, you done. can't put your hands on the lord. Never done. No. And then he's reminding him, I, I've done everything you ever wanted me to do since I was a child, but this I can't, I cannot. I'm going to tell you that you cannot do this. But, right, better service. I'm, but, but. I'm still serving you by telling you to stop. Exactly. Yeah. And then how now you dog, Regan, there's another shared line. She cuts him off. I think she strikes him. She Probably. must. Yeah. And 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 then he turns like, on her. You. If you if you were a man, I would shake your beard. Yeah. I'd grab you by the beard and shake Grab you your by head. the beard, which is what you did to to Gloucester just earlier. And what you like what the fuck do you guys think you're doing? Right. 
And then Cornwall calls him my villain. And in our text, it says V-I-L-L-E-I-N. It's a particular spelling for my, my legally bound serf. Okay? He's legally bound to him since childhood. It was probably sold to him by his parents. Yeah. Um, and then servant is like, yeah, well, then fuck it. <laughs> yeah, first servant. Nay, then, come on and take the chance of anger. So the chance is the risk, the risk that will happen when two angry people go up against each other. So maybe they draw their swords. They draw and maybe fight. They... Cornwall is wounded. Yeah. So it says. But we'll find that out in the next few lines anyway. And Regan, to some other servant, give me thy sword. A peasant stand up thus? First servant. Or it could be to him. She grab his own sword after he wounds Cornwall and stabs him with it. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Yeah. First servant. Oh, I am slain. Aaron's favorite line. It is my favorite line. <laughs> my lord, you have one eye left to see some mischief on him. Oh. Yeah. To see some mischief on him. To see some injury done to Cornwall. In retribution for this. Right. And Cornwall's like, fuck no! Cornwall, lest it seem more, prevent it. Out, vile jelly! Where is thy luster now? Oh, jelly, as in eyeball. Yeah. He literally pulls it out with his fingers or something. Yeah. Ugh. And tosses it across. We one time used a peeled grape for the eyeballs and the guy was playing cornwall he tossed it over onto the stage and stomped on it and i'm telling you some kids nearly threw up in the front, <laughs> front row <laughs> it was gross they're like oh my god yeah it's so fun the scene is gruesomely fun to play yeah oh my god oh so my fun. god and when we did lear cornwall and Regan. Like, we're getting off on this. Yeah. They started making out after doing this. It's really fucking horrible. That was the adults, though. That <laughs> yeah, was yeah, not, not the kids. kids. No, not kids. Yeah. Yeah. Gloucester. All dark and comfortless. Where's my son, Edmund? Edmund, enkindle all the sparks of nature to quite this horrid act. And I say quite because it's like requite mm. to pay back. This terrible thing. And notice he has nature as a line ending because this is when he's going to discover what Edmund's true nature, nature is. is. And this is a shared line, yeah? Yeah, and Regan jumps right in on him. And she's like, you asshole. Out, treacherous villain. Thou callst on him that hates thee. It was he that made the overture of thy treasons to us who is too good to pity thee. Now, look at these line endings. Villain, he, treasons, thee. <laughs> that couldn't be more clear. <laughs> yeah, really, really clear. Even though it's a very short little speech, but damn. Right no there. doubting it there. And then Gloucester. Oh, my follies. Then Edgar was abused. Kind gods, forgive me that and prosper him. So Edward, Edgar was wronged. And uh, prosper him, meaning help him to thrive, even though I turned him out. Regan. Go thrust him out at gates and let him smell his way to Dover. Because he's blind. (laughs) (laughs) And then she turns to Cornwall and she's like, oh, fuck. How is my lord? How look you? Cornwall. 
I have received a hurt. Follow me, lady. Turn out that eyeless villain. Throw his slave upon the dunghill. Regan, I bleed apace. Untimely comes this hurt. Give me your arm. Good. Throw this slave. Not his slave. Oh, throw <laughs> this slave upon the yeah. dunghill. Meaning the dead one that, that Regan killed. Yeah. Yeah. And then also this bit is not in all editions. So, but I like the servants having a moment of like, <gasps> after all of this is done and some kind of resolution to the scene. I mean, if you just end with Cornwall going out and going, throw I'm the dying. dead guy. <laughs> I'm dying. Throw the dead guy on the, you know, but some commentary by. On the dunghill, on the poop hill. Yeah, the poop hill. That must have smelled nice. Mm, dead dead people and poop. And poop. Nice. Yummy. Mm. So, second servant. I'll never care what wickedness I do if this man come to good. Third servant. If she live long and in the end meet the old course of death, women will all turn monsters. So it's their censure of their masters, right? This man, Cornwall, so I could never compare to him no matter what horrible thing I ever do in my life. And then she, if Regan lives long enough to die of old age, all women are doomed. Second servant. Let's follow the old earl and get the bedlam to lead him where he would. His roguish madness allows itself to anything. Third servant. Go thou. I'll fetch some flax and whites of eggs to apply to his bleeding face. Now heaven help him. Yeah. So let's go find Gloucester where he is, and we'll get that crazy guy, the bedlam, to lead him. Because a blind person needs someone to help them find a road to wherever it is they want to go. Where could Gloucester possibly go? This is his castle that he's just leaving now. Yeah, and then flax and whites of eggs is just a way to make a, a medicine, a, pulse, a poultice, a dressing for his wounded face. Yeah, flax could be uh, fabric, like yeah, yeah, linen. Yeah. yeah. So next you see Gloucester have some wrapping around his face. <laughs> With egg whites and blood mixed Jizzling dripping out. out. <laughs> Yikes. That's pretty oh, yucky. Oh, my. <laughs> so blindness. We keep saying that eyes and seeing was one of the big themes of the show. Mm -hmm. Perception. Now, how will you now perceive, Gloucester, when you no longer can only take things at face value by looking at them? Mm -hmm. How will your perception change? Indeed. So interesting. That's what we have to look forward to. Woohoo! Ain't you guys excited? That was a fun bunch. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm Erin. Act four to come. And I'm Diana. And this was Bloody King Leo. Bloody, bloody fucking Shakespeare. Bloody, bloody. Bloody, bloody fuck Shakespeare. Yeah, we'll do a dance, a TikTok dance. Bloody, bloody fucking Shakespeare. Oh. <laughs> hmm. okay, okay, look forward to some TikTok dances <laughs> from us. Bye. Bye. For additional fun shit from Fuck Shakespeare, you can head to our website at fckshakespeare.com. Or find us on Instagram at fckshakespeare. If you are enjoying this podcast, you could support us for as little as 99 cents per month. Just click the support button on the page on Spotify or Anchor. Tell your friends. <laughs>